0: Hey everybody, this little bottle contains an absolute miracle. It'll help you start your day off feeling great and with a ton of energy, even if you've had a couple of drinks the night before. Debiotics.com forward slash reach, you'll get 15% off. October the 25th, out comes Lara Trump, and she's on Fox and Friends saying, there's an October surprise coming, everybody. There's an October surprise, and it's just a few days towards the end of October. Rudy Giuliani, the next day on Fox, says, I think he, meaning Trump, got a surprise or two that you're going to hear about in the next few days. I'm talking about some pretty big surprises. And then Eric Prince on Breitbart says, with Steve Bannon, and the NYPD and the FBI had forced FBI director Jim Comey to release the emails or they would go public with their revelations. So even he's talking about a rogue FBI forcing the, the FBI director's hand and forcing him to, to then ultimately release this crazy letter that he does. And there's a series of things that happens between October 28th and November 6th, which are quite stunning. The thing on the very left is the first letter where he says, hey, we have to reopen the case. Because maybe some of these emails on Wiener's laptop are relevant to the Hillary Clinton investigation, which, by the way, they had known weeks earlier were not relevant at all because they'd already done the check of the metadata. They already knew that it wasn't relevant. They were just doing extra checking over this period of time. And then he, the next day or two days later, this shows up that they got a warrant to, to look at all these emails. And in that article, I'll just throw it up for you just so you know I'm not making things up here. I think I showed it to you earlier. But it says here that the, uh, some of Mrs. Aberdeen's emails passed through Ms. Clinton's private server official said, which means there is a high likelihood that the FBI has already read them. Apparently, it's pretty much well known that they were, had been already read, that they knew exactly what was similar in her emails versus the one that are on the laptop. And then it also says in this next paragraph, they said it was possible that the review would bring, turn up nothing, but said investigators felt obligated, obligated to, check to check it really by what by whom they knew it was a backup of her blackberry it wasn't like ooh, surprise and you can there's a
1: program that you can run a comparison of those two data sets that takes about 2.2
0: seconds yeah yes which apparently took a Uh, long time for the fbi to make up who
1: investigated this again who was the one who did the interview
0: ah struck so peter struck
1: who is the one of the oh i know exactly zeb i know exactly who he is you do know who he is because Pete, I don't know if the audience ever heard this, but but Pete Strzok interviewed me in 2011. Huh. I debriefed with him over being targeted by the Op Ghost Stories Russian agents. Wow. Ah that's the uh, uh but that
0: was the so they uh, refer
1: to anna chapman yeah, because anna she was the pretty redhead but i had the guy uh, don heathfield aka andrei bejerkov who was the guy operating out of boston who they made the americans tv show on fx and whatnot so it was a very interesting case and uh, i had a lovely chat with with special agent struck so you know the guy but it was about russian spies yeah, and so i'm just beat. i'm that was his beat so that, that you know i was like totally kosher but why was he the guy on the emails?
0: They decided- They have a
1: cyber division.
0: They have a cyber division. It's not the
1: espionage division. It's not yeah, counter-espionage.
0: It's a good question, which I still don't understand exactly what was going on at headquarters. And the Horovitz investigation, which was the internal investigation into what happened during this time, is not clear on some of the stuff. It, you can see, If you read it, and I had to reread it again, it's just, it dodges some really important facts. And one of them is, where does McGonagall go? Like, he, he gets the tip, And then he disappears. No one consults with him about anything. There's no more. He's just gone from this report. And it's weird because he's still the cyber counterintelligence guy at, at HQ. Why is he not being consulted by Comey and everybody else? Because that's who they turn to. They turn to all the other people like Strzok and everyone in the Strzok ended up being the chief guy on the story I don't want to cast any aspersions against these guys who are not in any not being questioned and, and who are not part of this McGonagall thing but Strzok is an interesting character he's it's bizarre to me frankly that they couldn't come up with a case they put up against Donald Trump about him being connected to the Russian mob, you know. Yeah,
1: you'd think you'd have started with Felix Sater or Ivankov or you
0: know, the condos that uh, all these Russians owned in these buildings oh, or and, well,
1: you mean how it, it's funny, they did the Trump Russia thing and nobody covered Dmitry Robovlev paying double for Trump's house in huh? two thousand and
0: no, they didn't nice. cover a lot. And I'm glad you actually mentioned that because there was actually a very good dossier. <laughs> some, some would say it wasn't well put together, but it's a, there was a dossier available of all the things that Donald Trump did that was not that were not so good in the past 30 years <laughs> related to Russia. And not they so didn't really cover it. They still dossier did show up at headquarters. They There was a time when McCabe and Orr, who was the a conduit to, to Christopher Steele. They, they set up, Orr set up a meeting with, with McCabe. They had a meeting, but everyone at the headquarters once kept downplaying Orr's role. Meanwhile, Orr was quite a sophisticated and, and connected guy when it comes to Russian counterintelligence. He worked at the Department of Justice, and he was Christopher Steele's big connection. In fact, they were trying to, at the time, convince Oleg Deripaska to move, to flip, to basically come to the American side. So, the Steele dossier and its chain of possession, if you like, goes from Christopher Steele to Bruce Orr. Then C- Bruce Orr meets with Andrew McCabe, tells him about Christopher Steele, gives him all this good information. And it get, then gets to Peter Strzok. Peter apparently had already seen the copy of this thing, but nobody does anything about it. So they have this dossier, which is full of really robust information that they then end up ignoring in lieu of this one T- a tip from Papadopoulos and their existing investigation, which was to back to track people like Flynn and Papadopoulos well, I'm, and I'm Manifor- pretty
1: sure it was in the application for Page's FISA, which was probably. Yeah.
0: Yes. But that was, other than that, if you read these fine documents here, this is in, in the internal report from the I. There's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of comments in here that they met that uh, it was March 18th or told us that he recalled only meeting with McCabe once concerning the steel information. Once Really? Lisa Page was also present. Orr told us that he informed McCabe and Lisa Page about his background with Steele and the reporting Steele provided him. He said that he had told them that Steele and Simpson were hired by a private party to provide opposition research, but said he could not recall whether he specifically mentioned the Clinton campaign. Orr thought he also shared with them that Steele and Simpson were communicating with the others and that their information was generated for a political client and not for the U.S. government. And then also says that although Orr told us that he believed Steele and Simpson were communicating with the media, he said he could not recall whether he specifically mentioned that to McCabe and Lisa Page. That's just important for what comes up later on. But, you know, it, it's just interesting that, and it, it does also declare in the second pink part here, that, that he did provide Steele's previous employment background and talked about the issues concerning Russian oligarch one, which is Oleg Deripaska, the same guy that- McGonagall. Sometimes I just can't get it. The same guy that he goes and works for, which is interesting. He goes and works for the same guy that- Steele was connected to and Steele knew, but generally speaking, there are very nice things said about Christopher Steele in all of these, that he was quite, quite good, actually. Imagine that, from his, that he, his material was solid, that he created all these great, he had lots of good sourcing and he spoke to all the right, he knew all the right oligarchs, he, he was well suited to this particular job. And yet publicly, Steel was like roasted by everybody. There's no ways that he was he's treated awfully. Even or was sidelined by everybody. You had this guy who previously worked at MI6 or MI5, who was the head of the MI6.
1: Yeah, he was the he he was at the he was the top of the top desk in basically the top intelligence agency in the world. Yeah,
0: and he gets sidelined by these guys who are good but don't have the kind of depth that he has in Russia. And but basically just gets I- ignored. And then the one the absolute stunner for me is this paragraph. We found that the first time the Crossfire Hurricane team accessed Steele's Delta file was in November, 2016. The supervisory intel analyst told us that, that someone was in contact with someone beginning in September and relied on him for information about Steel. Expressed surprise that the cross, Crossfire Hurricane team did not access Steele's Delta file earlier. He said that the team should have turned that file upside down, looking for information two months earlier, and that he assumed that some members of the team had thoroughly reviewed the file. Now, that yeah, that's doesn't seem right to me. I'm not a cop. I don't get this, but here's a dossier full of information about your biggest suspect. Here's the guy who's giving it to you, but you're not going back to check the history with the FBI? I have a new thesis that's based Mm. on some of what you're talking
1: about here of course i've gone through the the dossier very with a very critical eye as a speaking as a professional analyst in how how the fonts are how the writing style is and based on some of the predicate that the two main subsources were this young man igor donchenko a a ukrainian slash russian national who basically looked like a russian intelligence agent and chuck dolan who's a former clinton administration guy who was who, who was at the top of a PR agency that represented the Kremlin, catch him. But there's so much duplicity going on here. Um, and it, that it, and BuzzFeed was the one that publishes what what they call is the dossier. If Steele really was on Team Good Guy here, or at least writing material that is well sourced and is up to the standards that one expects in an intelligence context, I'm wondering if what the Steel, what the BuzzFeed people. Put out as the steel dossier was that even the steel dossier
0: i think or, it, i think it was i think that's generally believed to be a version of it it might not have been this thing felt to me well, like it was alive hold
1: on stop right there uh, yeah it might have been a version of it then who edited it who, because when you're talking about like hack and leak stuff you put some in that's fake you leave some in that's real and you take some out that says something other than what you want here i you know because when they talk about the Steele's work product went into a FISA warrant. That what they what they published in BuzzFeed just didn't strike me as professional intelligence analytic work. But what if it's not, and if it's a hack and leak job of its own, maybe the stuff that went into some of these FISA reports was up to snuff, did have the standards one would expect of explaining some of the sourcing on that, so that you could assume. Look, FBI people and intelligence people. They have organized ways to communicate the credibility and history of credibility of each source. You can keep them anonymous,
0: but you actually have ways of you get a report card as a source, right? That- They're sitting on this for two months. They're sitting on this dossier for two months without really checking. the. They did try apparently, but according to the Senate Intelligence Committee, not very convincingly, they did try to check some of these sources. But it doesn't seem to me like they were, they were like in it. They were like, oh, let's, let's wave a steal off and let's see if we can. Chase down some of these sources. This is a highly credible agent with connections to oh, all wow. the oligarchs. This is not someone who's you would doubt necessarily. Maybe he, he was could have been compromised. But the fact that they didn't even do a fully as like a good enough job, a sufficient job in terms of vetting the documents. I mean, sure some of it could have landed up in the fees of warrants, but it's not his fault that it wasn't vetted. It's their fault that they should have vetted it. It's uh, he came with tips either. and they didn't vets. they didn't follow up on them.
1: And in terms of motive here, let's say that he's the wor- one of the world's reigning experts in r- Russian counterintelligence, which he is, yeah, and which he was and still is. He is the maybe there's somebody today who's LeBron, but he's Michael Jordan. This is top of the of the heap here. Let's say he's watching the discussion of Russia stuff and like his hair's on fire going, that is not what is happening. And then he puts a dossier together and hands it over to the right people and they screw around with it because, look, these are, from the rest of the McGonagall story, I think the least we can say is these guys were screwing around with things they were not supposed to be doing. That one, I feel really confident about. Meeting with Albanian intelligence while you're on the payroll in the United States and work for FBI counterintelligence.
0: Nope. Yeah, you just don't no, do that. Against I mean, rules. But also, if your colleagues at MI6 or your former colleague at MI6 arrives, and this is someone that you previously has helped you connect to other oligarchs, he's been the intermediary in the past for the FBI, like, you wouldn't just say, ignore the guy or toss him to the side. You would actually say, oh, this guy's got credibility here. He's got a history here. He knows all these people personally. Let's uh, let's give him a shot here to see what he's got to say. Where they landed up sidelining him, not paying him after say they saying they would. And he got to- totally scared and want to come back to the United States for a while. He did speak to George Stephanopoulos of ABC News. And I, sometimes it's just helpful to see what they say and the expressions on their face themselves. I think it it speaks volumes for who he is. Hey, everybody, it's Zev from Narrative. This is the most romantic week of the year. And you know what that means, dinners, dates, drinks, and more. And sometimes those celebrations can leave you feeling a little worse for wear the next morning, if you know what I mean. Well, I have discovered an absolutely brilliant solution for that. It's called Z-Biotics. It's a pre-alcohol probiotic, and it's a miracle formula that allows you to have a few drinks at night without getting those awful post-drinking blues the next day. No need to worry about safety. It's all natural and FDA compliant. You can get Zbiotics for 15% off your first order with my code REACH, R-E-A-C-H. I recommend getting the six-pack. That's what I got and it's a great deal and you'll have a couple of extra to share with your friends. Click the link in the description box or scan the QR code on the screen right now and use code REACH, R-E-A-C-H, at checkout. Go to zbiotics.com forward slash REACH and get 15% off plus 100% money-back guarantee if you're not satisfied. Make this date night one even Cupid would be proud of. Get some Z-biotics today so you can still feel the love tomorrow. I like that. Give me a declarative sentence. Christopher Steele is... A patriot who
1: has professional integrity and expertise and somebody who is a true friend and ally of the United States. Steele authored the infamous Steele dossier. It presented some allegations about Russian interference which proved to be accurate, but others, including a salacious claim that the Russians may have had a video of Trump watching prostitutes in a Moscow hotel room, are either unproven or discredited. An investigation by the Justice Department's Inspector General showed that the source who gave Steele some of his key material, a Washington analyst, told the FBI much of it was rumor and speculation including the supposed videotape recorded by Russia to blackmail Trump, what's known in Russia as Compromont.
0: One of your main collectors he spoke to the inspector general, said that especially the kompromat was word of mouth and hearsay, conversations with friends over beers. It was just talk.
1: If you have a confidential source, and that confidential source is blown or is uncovered, that confidential source will often take fright and try and downplay and underestimate what they've said and done. And I think that's probably what happened here. Yeah, or they're dead. Yeah, it's the (laughs)
0: Russians. You're not going to screw around with that. They fall out of windows and all sorts of things happen to them. You'd be careful. And in this case, it makes sense to me that either these guys weren't the sources because he knows all these people personally. He doesn't need to go to some guy in Virginia to be his source. He knows Oleg Deripaska. He knows him he's it's not that hard to get information from the source you wouldn't need to do all this stuff
1: so my background is not signaled intelligence i wasn't like a naval technical guy and i didn't work at the nsa my background is human intelligence and developing networks and doing so for long periods of time this is apples to apples com- comparison if you've been doing something on a singular topic like that where for over two decades where you were you know you were under what's known as official cover, where you're working as a diplomat out of the embassy so that you can get out and develop sources like on the ground in Moscow, which is, by the way, hands down, not close, the most demanding, difficult, I'm sure professional he- human, human intelligence gig that there is in the whole game and he was there in the 80s doing that and to, from what it looks like to from his family background like he was born in Yemen and his mom and dad were working for the meteorod, meteorological service when he was born in Yemen I'm like that's a spy fan I'm yeah. just guessing maybe <laughs> they're just they're super awesome meteorologists as well but that's very exotic I just did says am I sick but anyways you know Then he rises through the ranks back at the uh, the main office and ends up as the head of all counter-Russian intelligence. Over the course of that period of time, you would know hundreds of, you'd know people personally, but you would be evaluating the dossiers put together by all of your network of analysts all over the world, and you would be in the position at that height at the head like that? With that kind of top secret access, you've got access to who the sources are. That's what, when you go secret, top secret, sensitive compartment information, and then code word stuff, the further you get down into the fine code words and super controlled information, the super controlled part is, okay, who's the guy who told us this? That's the stuff they protect, because if you don't protect it, people end up dead and you you know, you got problems. And he's protecting his sources. Of course he is. But he would also, yes, as a native response, Mm -hmm. but also he would not only have had his own personal sources that he could go out for a beer with or take a walk in the park with, he would have seen dossiers with hundreds to thousands of sensitive sources. And then we're to believe that the documents we saw from BuzzFeed and then the inspector general's report, which I got some questions about
0: now that you need to look at that.
1: (laughs) He asked the guy in alexandria i'm like in london you're friends with oligarchs and you're literally should know the names of thousands of sensitive sources and you go to igor and chuck in yeah. dc
0: the there are so many oligarchs living in london there's the russian scene there is pretty big for he does not need to go to someone in virginia for any sourcing here so that just is a it's not it can't be accurate it just cannot be accurate that's where he could have probably spotted off all that stuff on his own as his own source before needing to go to any of these other two that just doesn't strike me as being real. what if buzzfeed was a front for foreign intelligence which i think
1: it is what if Bu- buzzfeed was a front for foreign intelligence trying to besmirch
0: his actual work could be or they did a pretty damn good job oh uh, yeah they could look if you think about it if you think go back to you know, papadopoulos potentially sending sending up this concern around the Russians supporting Hillary with the emails. At the same time, there's a competing strain of evidence coming towards them, which is the Steele dossier. If you're wanting one to be more uh, successful at launching the Trump-Russia investigation, you would discredit Steele and you would support Papadopoulos, right? And that's, from a narrative perspective, that's what you would do. And you'd get that, that to be the impetus for a foreign intelligence investigation by the FBI. I've got a few minutes left here. I just want to, this is going to be a little long, but I'm going to read it to you anyhow because it is fascinating because it puts you in another mindset. This comes from my story that I wrote about Oleg Deripaska a while ago, but it just, I'll read it as quickly as I can and I'll get to the stuff that's really the most interesting. In 2014, the Justice Department began to document a two-year effort to recruit Deripaska as an informant as part of Operation Outreach. Intriguingly, it was former MI6 spy Christopher Steele, the famous author of the dossier, who approached DOJ to suggest potentially flipping Deripaska So that's just an interesting note. That's how far back that connection goes. It wasn't the first time Deripaska worked with the FBI in 2009. The FBI enlisted the oligarch for an attempted rescue of Bob Levinson, the American held hostage in Iran. The mission didn't succeed, but Deripaska got enough information out of the Iranians to get what he wanted out of the deal, a legal U.S. visa. The recent effort to flip Deripaska began in earnest in September 2015. The Justice Department, Bruce Orr, met Deripaska to ask about Putin's ties to organized crime. Deripaska reportedly rebuffed the advance, but by the beginning of 2016, the oligarch's rehabilitation was underway. We know this because the FBI helped Deripaska get another U.S. visa in February 2016. The oligarch was encouraged by the softening of the agency's stance, according to emails released by the Republican lawmakers. We reckon that forthcoming OVD, that's a Deripaska, contact represents a good opportunity for the U.S. government. That's what Steele texted to Orr at the time. Keep in mind, this is all happening at the same time that Christopher Steele was writing his dossier. As it turns out, Steele had worked for Deripaska in 2012. While it's unclear if the two men were in direct contact, Deripaska was sending Steele messages through his US lobbyist, Adam Waldman. Was Steele working for Deripaska? No one can say for sure, but FBI Director, for, director Christopher Wray refused to discuss it in an unclassified setting when Tom Cotton asked him of this. Later in February, Deripaska was the subject of a US interagency meeting. Prior to that meeting, Steele shared sensitive documents which showed Putin was exerting pressure on the oligarchs and that Deripaska was not a tool, according to Steele. And then contacts between Steele, Deripaska, Waldman, and Orr continued almost all the way up until the election. The last contact was in September 2016, this is great, when Orr and Steele showed up unannounced at Deripaska's New York apartment. We think Russia is colluding with the Trump campaign and we think Manafort is the key guy, a knowledgeable source told David Ignatius of the Washington Post. According to the source, Derry Pasco responded, I hate Manafort and I'm suing him. And we know at the time that was uh, true that he was doing that, but it was also possibly an artful dodge because we know that Derry Pasco, through Kalimnik, was working with Manafort and getting all these updates. My point there is the guys that are actually trying to stop all this, the guys that are going to talk to Derry Pasco and challenge him on this, are steel and ore. They're not struck and whomever at the headquarters. In September 2016, these were the guys going confronting Oleg Deripaska. And the Trump-Russia story,
1: you know, about maybe, I don't know, he gets a hotel. Okay. But the real killer story in all of that is they hand the Republican National Committee, like, polling from that year, they hand that to a Russian spy who takes it back to Russia. Now, there's a whole bunch of this, the international interference in the American election that year. Some of it's Malaysian. A bunch of it's Saudi, yeah. a ton of it's Israeli, yeah. A lot and of there's it's... a lot of Chinese stuff, but there was definitely Russian stuff too. And that is the real stuff. That would be the smoking gun, if you will, is not, they control him because he got into some water sports with some prostitutes one time, blah, blah, blah. That is the damning stuff between the Trump campaign and Russia as they took the prize jewels of the Republican national mm-hmm. committee polling and handed to Kalimnik, who apparently had the skill set to know what the precinct by precinct data meant, which means he was a specialist in this. So that's the real stuff. And it sounds like that is what Steele was focusing on.
0: And or, and both of those got sidelined and, and Struck gets a book deal and doesn't achieve very much out of the, out of the operations crossfire hurricane that didn't land anywhere. It didn't actually achieve anything. Comey gets a book deal. Comey gets several books, actually. Gets to go on TV and be a famous guy. Meanwhile, he was the guy inflaming all of this throughout the entire summer, talking about her emails, her yep. emails. And that's... An- oh, don't forget the Showtime movie. Yeah, oh, and the Showtime movie, making him look like a god. There's, there's a lot of questions. Oh, and
1: him stroking his chin. It's so tough, and there's so many people at FBI who don't like
0: her, and I'm just this really good guy, and... It's clear that there's a lot more that needs to be looked at here. And I know the FBI is desperately trying to avoid this, but you can't, it's here. There's just, this story is massive in my opinion. And the more I look at it, the more angles it has and the more disturbing aspects there are that it, this could be a fairly widespread issue for them in headquarters. And maybe some of those people are gone now, but maybe they're not. Maybe there's others that are still there and we need to clean the house because this, if this is, their, this is what they're used to doing, I don't want to go through this again in 24. I'm sure Joe Biden doesn't want to go through this in 24. I'm sure nobody does, except for baby Donald Trump.
1: I'm just going through, I'm just going quickly back through Man, the Steele dossier, which is searchable, and it doesn't get into the real Manafort.
0: No, because uh, that was happening almost live at the time. It's this, almost at the same time that uh, Steele and Orr would have gone and confronted Derry Pasca must have been like, like going to the meetings right afterwards to get the data from Kalimnik. And it's,
1: no, man, that was August 8, 2016.
0: I believe. Yes, it was and they came to confront him in September. So. So that's
1: a, but in this world, that's a month. That's a long time. It's a
0: long, long time. time. It's
1: it... It, long enough to make it into the dossier. So if, this is, if Steele is kicking around discussing Manafort and what he's up to, and he's got these other oh, yeah, yeah. You know, interesting. sources. And by the way, if Constantine Kelly is running around Manhattan, you know who should be just on him all the time? His FBI, FBI counterintelligence FBI. should have his phone tap, and well, the stories that they came out with later were about how I, I believe Davis, his business partner Rick Manafort's Gates. business partner, Gates. Rick Gates, and used WhatsApp to send him the fi- to to send Klimnik the files. Of the, they um, met the at the Cuban
0: data. place at the top of uh, of Jared Kushner's six six six, and they met. This is Rudy's haunt. It's not like it was far to find out where the Russians go and hang out for the, with their mob. Friends, it's so, what they and, do.
1: Yeah, and the this is Russian counterintelligence in New York City. These are the most obvious dudes possible. If anyone's going to get a FISA thrown on them yeah. in perpetuity, it te- hypothetically would be Paul Manafort because he yeah. worked for Viktor Viktor Yanukovych. Yeah. So you want to know where he's at, and but you no one would. The, the media kept going, a Russiany Slav sort of guy who was a florist. Or, who, you know, really like gymnastics. And they left out Russian military linguist, which means yeah. spy 100% of the time. This, maybe the average poor reader of some of these terrible media outlets we have in this country might have been fooled by that. But anybody with expertise in counterintelligence who looks at Kilimnik goes, that guy's a Russian spy. It's a campaign year. He's hanging out with the, the campaign manager of the presidential election. Follow him. It's vastly Tap his yeah. phone, yeah. And so Weren't you telling me that Kilimnik was allowed to run around with consumer grade devices around Manhattan and upload data from the RNC and successfully send it over to Russia? And FBI counterintelligence didn't really pick up on that.
0: No, they did not. And in fact, the one guy who probably did, which was Steele. They weren't talking to because they i don't know they weren't talking to because they decided it wasn't with their time so that's lots of questions right there hey eric it's so nice to see you and hang out with you again tell everyone where they can see you on youtube because you have your own shtick up there tell us about it just go it. look
1: just go look for eric garland it's it's this but not with as much a conversation so.
0: it's very good it's very good it's like tight little bits that are very interesting and tell you all about the world of intelligence plus Plus the world of intelligence and everything else happening around the world. Um, you might get
1: to my other channel that's electric base. So if you want to know the secrets of the frontless base, you've got that channel. And then if you want a teardown of how the 18 intelligence agencies work in the United States, we've got that for you too.
0: I highly recommend both. So thanks for being here tonight. It was really great to hang out and I'll hopefully see you again soon. And for all of you at home, thank you for being here. Don't forget to subscribe to the YouTube channel. Don't forget to subscribe to the Twitter feed mine or Eric's and keep in touch with us at patreon.com forward slash narrative we always appreciate your support and we thank you very much for being here tonight have a good night everybody every minute of narratives reporting every story that we break is made possible by our patrons you too can become a patron by joining at patreon.com forward slash narrative narrative
1: where truth lives one day you'll tell the story of autocrats cooks and kings who came for our freedom a story of citizens who stood up to tyranny and won the people prevailed and renewed an old vow to a more perfect union. And that was just the beginning. The story continues. Narrative, where truth lives.